Hey folks, it's Jeff Fuzzy Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you are listening to episode 141 of Successfully Funded. Here we go. Let's turn it up. All right, folks, so what do we do over here at Successfully Funded? Well, I like to talk to project creators while they're in the middle of an active Kickstarter campaign, equity crowdfunding campaign, or Indiegogo campaign. And what I like to do is I like to deconstruct what they are currently working on, what techniques did they do, how have they gotten to a point where they are successful. So on today's episode, I'm going to be talking to Sebastian from the company Ermo uh, out of Germany, who has created mobile uh, a mobile device that allows you to uh, have urban travel, right? So you can Almost like a Segway, you stand on this thing and you can lean and balance and get anywhere you want to go. And then it also folds up. So it's very, very, very cool. And they've had an unbelievable campaign. So that conversation is going to be coming up in just a moment. So it's been a few weeks since we did an episode. Uh, I think it's actually been two. Uh, we are currently just ripping through October uh, for 2018. And what is going on? Well, big news over here at Woodshed Agency is we are growing. We've added uh, five new team members uh, to help us fulfill some of the work that we have sold recently. We've got a lot of campaigns that are in motion and moving. Uh, got a few new equity crowdfunding ones that we're getting to work on. So a lot of really great stuff is happening here, but it's also added new uh, new challenges. And those challenges are around educating, training, trusting, bringing people on board that you know can do the actual work while keeping the standard that you want to have, right? So Typically inside of Woodshed, most of the, a lot of the work has been done by myself. Um, you know, so there's a lot of plate spinning. So I'm really in this position right now of, of putting that workload on other people who can maybe focus on a little bit more. So instead of me doing 25 things, I'm doing, you know, 15 things or 10 things. And, and people are really managing and maintaining the different departments that really have to be happening to make an agency like ours function. So that has been huge, huge news over here. So with that saying, if you want to, uh, uh, you know, if you're interested in us working on a campaign and that's why you're listening to this episode, you know, make sure you reach out to us. Shoot me an email, jeff at woodshed.agency or go over to the woods, uh, over the website, which is woodshed.agency and shoot us a message. Uh, fill out one of our forms and see if crowdfunding will be right for you because I, now I have a team. We gotta, I gotta give them work. So uh, I would love to hear from you and um, yeah, that would be great to work on your project. Well, what's everybody doing for Halloween? Halloween is a few days away, and this brings up an, uh, a time around my house here where the amount of candy intake that's getting ready to come into my house is going to be bananas. There are like, you know, we have, obviously we have Halloween night for trick-or-treating, that's on the 31st. Then we have this weekend, the whole town, our, our whole downtown area has trick-or-treating, which my kids will get so much candy this weekend that, that, it last, that this alone will last them the whole year. Then on top of that, we have a trunk or treating tonight at the school where all the kids' cars are, or all the parents' cars are parked around and we wear your costumes there. You know, it's, it's a lot of trick or treating, man. Do, you, do people realize the candy issues? This amount of candy, it's bonkers. I don't remember this. I mean, back, back in my day, and I don't want to sound like the grumpy old man here, but I remember when we had trick or treating, it was on Halloween. That's when we did it, right? You trick-or-treat Halloween from like 6 o'clock to 9 o'clock, right? 10 o'clock. You do some trick-or-treating. Get some candy. Now it's just this its this huge, huge production. I mean, I think my kids have like four costumes. They have like set changes. They have, you know, it's like they're like Beyonce at the Super Bowl. The amount of wardrobe changes that are going to be going on for Halloween. It's, it is absolutely a, a crazy. Is this something that you guys struggle with? If so, leave me a message. Uh, go on Anchor. And you can actually leave me a voicemail and I'll include your answers in the next episode that we do because uh, I'd love to hear uh, how much this happens to you guys because, uh, man, it is a lot of candy. That gets A lot of candy comes in.
All right, let's actually move over to my interview with Sebastian here. So we're going to be chatting with Sebastian. We're going to be talking about Urmo. That's spelled U-R-M-O, which is an ultralight foldable urban electric vehicle. So they've got about 13 days to go if you're listening to it today. They had about a $75,000 goal, and they're currently sitting at $181,000. So this is a very, very unique product. I've definitely never seen anything like this. It's it's a Segway, but it's way cooler, and it folds all up. And uh, just an awesome conversation about... Um, how these guys, you know, came out out of the gate and launched a huge Kickstarter campaign. So I encourage everybody, go check out the campaign now. Listen to this interview with Sebastian, and uh, we'll talk to you guys all in a second. All right, Sebastian, so uh, we've hit the red light. Hopefully you're ready to do a podcast episode here. Uh, why don't you start off, let's do a simple sound check. Why don't you tell my listeners what you had for breakfast this morning? This morning I had a cup of tea with apple tea and then I had some, some muesli, so basically cornflakes and uh, that's about it. Okay. Is that a standard? Is that, uh, are you a tea drinker every morning? Yeah, I'm pretty much a tea drinker in the morning. Only when I go to the office then I, will, then I start to have coffee. At home I only start with tea. Okay. All right. All right. So you're a tea connoisseur it sounds like. Uh, not really. No? Okay. I'm, I'm not pretty. I'm German. Okay. It's the easiest thing to do in the morning. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, we're gonna, I think we're sounding all right. Let's see if we can jump into this. So why don't you tell my listeners what you are currently raising money for on Kickstarter? Okay. We have developed a self-balancing vehicle, which is the perfect, uh, perfect supplement for, for everyday commute. Because uh, the innovation is that it is foldable. So whenever you, you not want to use it, you can just carry it with you. And uh, for us, that's a huge benefit because you can have it in the trunk of your car or you can take it on the subway and you don't have to walk these uh, distances that nowadays you would take the car for. So it's a classic last mile device. That's sweet. That's sweet. So that doesn't seem like something that you just start off building. How on earth did you come up with this and, and start the project of building uh, one of these, uh, these units? Uh, that's a very long story because I'm, we've started two and a half years ago de uh, developing this vehicle and it was Felix, one of my co-founders, he had built himself an electric vehicle by buying an old BMW convertible and he had just replaced all the parts that were uh, gasoline or a combustion engine and he replaced it with an electric engine, uh, an electric motor. And then he drove uh, to the town to, with 1.5 uh, million inhabitants and then he found out that even now that he had this electric car he would still be stuck in traffic. And that, then, that was the moment when he started to think about vehicles getting smaller than the thing we know as a vehicle nowadays, mm -hmm. uh, basically a car. That's how it all started. Wow. Wow. Uh, so that doesn't sound like an average story. It's not something I would do. I've never like, I'll just make, make my own engine in a car. You know, I, like how do you just, education-wise, is that something that he's always studied or is that something you guys have always worked on? <laughs> You know, how, how do you just get into like making electric vehicles for yourself? Um, it is exactly, we, we did study that. Felix, he did an apprenticeship or he started his career with an apprenticeship uh, where he learned everything about uh, lightweight materials, especially carbon fiber. And then he started studying engineering, mechanical engineering, where there's a lot of electrical engineering as well in, in there. And that's Jacob and uh, Felix. These are my two other co-founders. Mm -hmm. They're both the engineers and uh, they just always had the fable for uh, electric drives. And also within the studies, they learned everything about the theories behind electric drives. And of course, you, in the last four, three or four years, you started to see a lot of Tesla's industry. Uh, people were writing about, um, about electric cars. I mean, BMW here, they have the i3. So it's gotten a lot into the heads of people. And that's where this whole journey to electric mobility started. Yeah, that's great. So what, what was kind of the first thing out of the gate that you had to work on to actually get like a prototype of this? What, what was the first steps out to, to get to where you are right now? 
the first step was Felix vehicle to be with no regard to technical ability to build something or or physical what is possible but just out of his mind how he would imagine a very light and foldable vehicle to look like and what the, the basic technology would be behind that and uh, that's he quickly ended i mean he also thought about a little electric kick scooter or stuff like that or like the bigger scooters or motorcycles even, but he very quickly came to this self-balancing vehicle, which from an engineering perspective is uh, very, very intriguing to build because it's very hard to, the steering is really hard to build. So there's a challenge in that. It's not just you, you snap an electric engine into a, to a scooter and then you can just drive off, but it's uh, really a challenge to start the development from scratch. Yeah. So, so this thing, so maybe you can walk me through a little bit. So this, it self balances and you can like, right. You can turn on it and stuff as you're standing on it. Yes, exactly. It's the self balancing vehicle is, uh, was invented by Segway. Mm -hmm. So it has two wheels on each side and, and it balances itself uh, back and forth. So when you stand on it, it is possible to just really stand on it. There, there's no need to always be in driving mode. You can st stand still at if you're at traffic light for example and uh, you accelerated it by just moving your body forward or your body weight forwards then it starts to accelerate meet you and it breaks the exact opposite you just have to lean backwards and that's how it knows that it's supposed to stop because the vehicle if you put it in easy words the vehicle just tries to catch you all the time mm. It's just as if you were falling and the vehicle beneath you just tries to follow you so you don't fall off. Wow. That's, That's amazing. How, um, you know, so are these out in the wild right now? Are people using them currently? Are there some prototypes out there? Uh, we have prototypes of our vehicles, yes. Uh, we have people using them, but not on a daily basis yet. These are right. just our prototypes. We give them out or we hand them out for test drives. People who really want to use them, for us it's okay because we need the feedback of actual users and not people like our, like us who, I mean, we're driving up, up and down the hallway every day and we keep testing them outside in rough fields or in the streets and everything, but we need really the feedback of users who've never tried our vehicle and also people who've never tried the self-balancing vehicles themselves. So people who've never been standing on Segway or anything, for us it's the per perfect testing candidates because they, their impression is, is unbiased. Right, right. So what has been maybe the biggest roadblock uh, in the last two years uh, on this journey? Has there been something that, I don't know, you guys just couldn't figure out or something that, uh, just, what's the biggest roadblock? Roadblock for us, we've, we've hit a lot of rocks <laughs> these last two years. We have started development with our first prototype, which really looked, looked cool, had the perfect setup. We calculated this through and then when we activated it, I mean, we had laminated everything together, we had glued it together and then when we So it couldn't really balance. Mm. Uh, then we started to recalculate everything, did everything new. But for us, I think the biggest, the biggest step in the last two years was this crowdfunding campaign. Because that was the first time that external customers would pay money or would be willing to pay money for this product. We have, we have been to a lot of conventions, trade fairs, shows, exhibitions to present our vehicle, to, to talk to people, ask feedback, but never has anyone really bought one from us. So for us, that was really, or is really a very important step. As this, for us, this is the proof of market that yeah. the thing or the vehicle we're building is really for people to use. And people, people also see it like that. So they really want to use it. They want to have it in their everyday life. And is there a moment though that you guys had that really it all came together? I mean, was there a moment where you're like, it's all working clearly, and maybe it is the Kickstarter right now, um, but it was, was there a moment maybe in the a prototyping and phasing and all that stuff where you're like, it's working, it's doing its thing, you know? 
it yeah we had this moment we had um, from a technical perspective we had built like this prototype with, which was in like an aluminum open frame with all our different electric part designer make the package design for us so not not the package itself but the outside of the vehicle mm -hmm. and then this year in june we started to build the first real pre-series prototype which looks like the final product and which which is also functional and there was really the moment for the first time when we plugged it in and we charged it and then we activated it and it really this was the moment when it all came together we <laughs> saw that the lights were on we stepped on it i mean it wasn't perfect back then far from it but we could step on it and it really did the thing that we expected it to do but it drove off yeah so that's that great was really, that was yeah. a really great moment for us i'm sure i'm sure after uh, and and as a uh, like a project creator as an entrepreneur how do you fight through those ups and downs of you know bad days bumps in the road and then all of a sudden it's there like how do you manage and maintain that sort of that roller coaster uh when you're working on a project like this the good thing is that we have three people so we can always balance balance each other out never has there been a day where all three of us were in the mood of oh this is the end it's never gonna work there's always one who still believes in the vision and just keeps on fighting um, so that's very important uh, that we can just support each other and just tell each other, other when we have a bad day that we're still going to continue and we're still going to work on because it's going to work or not only from a technical but also from a market perspective. And uh, on the other side, it's really good when you have these up, these moments when you're in very enthused and you can, and you can share your joy with the, the other founders. Sure. So. Uh, I mean, now, with, especially with the Kickstarter campaign, we had also, we have to look out for each other to bring ourselves a little bit back to the roots and not just uh, take off mm -hmm. uh, because now it's, it's going really good. And, um, but still, there was a lot of work. It's not like everything just came, fell into place automatically. So we also, from a positive, I mean, we celebrate and we also cheered, but still, we know there's a lot of work in front of us and it's not just done with like one right right still a long way for us sure so you know with a project like this um it seems like you're kind of going into this space of um and we're kind of seeing it right now with with, with travel right with convenience with we got the bird scooter thing that's going on here we, we that's a bit of a big story here i'm in detroit so you know everybody's riding these scooters and then just leaving them and then you have the segue and we have uh you know we need to ride more bikes for climate change and all that sort of, like everybody should be not in a car for every single thing so are you guys feel like you're a part of that sort of movement is that something that's behind the scenes in terms of pushing this sort of idea and stuff is to get people thinking about transportation differently? Oh, and I think we lost Sebastian there. What's going on with Zoom, but.
You back? I'm back. I'm very sorry. No, it's all right. It's all right. No worries. That's all right. It'll be an, all I have to do is literally just clip that uh that part out, so it won't, won't be a big edit. Okay, now, but I think now it works much better. I can hear you much better now. Oh, good. Well, that's good. Well, maybe we had to we had to experience that. So, <laughs> um, I don't know. Did you hear that question? Otherwise, I can uh, re-ask the question. Then I'll just edit myself out. Okay. No, I didn't hear the question okay. anymore. Just totally cool. blocked out. Sorry. That's all right. No worries. I'll pick it up right from there. So, um, let me just think about how I brought this in. All right, there we go. Um, so. Uh, I wanted to ask a little bit around, do you guys feel like you're a part of this movement around, um, you know, sort of the climate change scenario around travel, right? And and how we are using like bird scooters right now here in Detroit. That's a big story where we need to be riding bikes more. Uh, we don't need to get into a car to, to literally go to the grocery store around the block. Are, do you feel like you guys want to be a part of that movement? Is that something that's pushing sort of the, the technology and the ideas behind the scenes? Yes, exactly. That's what, uh, where we see ourselves. We want to be part of the story where cars don't play such a big role in the minds of people anymore. Because nowadays, everybody just takes his car to go like one mile around the corner to buy some groceries, just like you said. But it's actually, it's not necessary. Also, people, when they think about going to their job in the morning, all they think about is taking their car. And uh, there's, a, there's a lot of reasons for that. Also, because uh, public transport, the nearest station is far away from their house a lot of times. And uh, we see ourselves as uh, being able to bridge these distances that people just don't like to walk and instead just take the car instead because they prefer the comfort over everything else. Even though everybody knows that uh, taking the car is bad for the environment and everything, but still comfort is, off, is the top priority of everybody. And uh, that's where we do see ourselves. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, this, this is a, a big topic around actually in my neighborhood and stuff, because uh, I mean, I live in a downtown, everything's walking distance, literally everything. Uh, and yet we have two cars. I have two car payments, two car insurances. What is going to make people, in, in your guys' mind, what do you think is going to be that thing that tells people that you don't need to have cars a part of everything? Like, what, is it, And is it a government thing? Is it just people wanting it? Like, what do you see happening? Especially as I'm in the States, I'm in Detroit, I'm in Motor City, right? Like, you know, it's all about cars here, no matter what. So uh, I, I think we fight it a lot over here. It's the, the same thing actually in Munich, because Munich, we have BMW, we have Mini, we have Audi sitting right around here. So also it's Motor City and people love their cars. But in the future, I think the, uh, the thing that makes people not want to make, uh, make not want to use it anymore is just that uh, take not taking the car and taking the train instead or taking all these uh, micro uh, micro mobility solutions is that the speed because you're gonna be faster through downtown detroit with all these types of uh, micro mobility vehicles like ours instead of your car i mean if you live somewhere in the countryside and you have to travel a distance of 20 or 30 miles then there's hands down the best possibility to ride is a car still and it's gonna be in the future as well right. but if you live in a downtown area where congestion and traffics are an everyday occurrence then i think people will understand that um, in the future it is the better way for them to travel with another mode of transportation right and it's something that will come in natural when they start seeing that people with a scooter or with a self-balancing vehicle will just overtake them in traffic yeah. Do, do you think, um, like for you guys, when you talk marketing behind the scenes, do you have any like conversations around how to fight the stigma of it? Right. Like there's a, the, you know, the segue stigma and that sort of stuff. Like how do you guys talk about that internally of like what you're doing technology wise is out of this world. Amazing. But how do you, how do you bridge that next gap of like, yeah, but this has to still fit into people's daily lives. For us, that's uh, the innovation that we bring with the lightweight and with the folding mechanism. Of course, it has some, a little bit the stigma of the, of the Segway, but uh, people, uh, thanks for us, people don't see it as another, just another Segway replacement. They see the benefits because uh, the question is, or the question has always been, why hasn't Segway been more successful? Because the product they had was, the idea behind the product was really good, actually. But uh, there were a lot of downsides. 
it was very health heavy, it was bulky, and it was way too expensive. I mean, you could, you could buy a car for the price of a Segway. Right. And that's where we see that our uh, product is superior over a Segway. And that's also why people don't start to, start to compare it to a Segway. It's, for us, it's more that people ask us, uh, in comparison to like a bird or a lime scooter, how do we compare there? How, is the, how does a, an e-kick scooter compare to our vehicle? That's what people keep asking us. Yeah. But for us, there's, I mean, the thing we say is that we have the, the light electric vehicle with the best user experience because you can just take it with you. It's going to be yours. It's going to be there. It's going to be, you can rely on it. And you can just take it with you. That's the easiest way you can ensure that you have a, a safe journey with, with, I mean, not safe in uh, when thinking of security, but safe in a, it's planable. You know right. that how you're going to get to the train, that you can take the train, you're not going to miss it. And at the end, there is going to be the vehicle, it's going to be there for you. It's not, you don't have to look for it. It's just going to be in your hand. Sure. And uh, that's what, uh, what we think will be the best argument for people. No, I, I totally get it. I mean, I think, I think that's a, a great point you just made in terms of, um, I think one of the deterrents of, let's just say walking, right? So like, well, I got to, it's like, it might be for 35 minutes to walk there, you know? <laughs> and it's like, well, I do, I do need, still need to work. <laughs> I can't just, I, and, and I deal with this every day. I have to pick up my kids. It's a 30 minute walk. This is not ridiculous. And I'm totally, you know, I, but I, I have to still work, you know? So it's like, I, I can take an hour of walking or just go pick them up, come back. <laughs> so if I can cut that time down, yeah, I'd, I'd seriously go walk there. I don't need to do it. But um, I think that that's those things. It's the convenience factor. And the, I think there's a bigger part of that too, that I keep hitting on of like, um, you know, uh, we don't need to be rushing as much. Right. So like if I can plan and be like, listen, I know it's six blocks away to the train station this thing, I, I put this on or I, I step on this, it takes me, yeah. you know, whatever it is, 10 minutes, yeah. <laughs> you know, 15 minutes. Yeah. That's what you have to get to. And then and people have to start thinking that way a little bit. So, you know, so for this sort of product, I mean, what have you guys envisioned as like the user base? Like, like how do you guys describe in terms of like a buyer persona? Who do you guys think in your mind is the person that's going to take the dive and buy this? Um, actually, the, for us, that's twofold. There's going to be two categories of people who, who are going to buy it. The one is the people that are going to have it in the trunk of their car and see it as an extension to their car. They don't need to drive downtown anymore. They just park further outside and they can uh, ride their, the last piece of their journey quicker on, the, on our vehicle. And uh, that's perfect. It's very small. It can just fit in the trunk on the side. It's not going to be in your way. And the second group, the second persona is really the guy who nowadays would take the car to go into the city, but who knows already that the car isn't the best solution, but uh, that public transport will, would be better for him. Uh, so we see us there as bridging his way to, from the station to his house and to the office. That's great. And nowadays he wouldn't do that because he has to walk or take a bike or anything, but for most people that really doesn't, doesn't work out too much. And even though, I mean, we both or we all know that walking would be the best exercise for everybody. You should definitely do sports and everything. There's nothing wrong with walking. But as you said, it's like an hour of your day that yeah. you have to do that. It's not about the sports. It's about fitting that into your everyday life. Mm -hmm. No, I, I agree. Yeah, it's, it's what it is. Where, um, you know... How do you guys get through like safety issues on this? I, I've worked on a couple projects where safety was like a deterrent with it. One of them was a, uh, like a tree stand for hunters and the insurance for a tree stand of like, you have people going up in, in the middle of a tree, they could fall. How do you guys get, how do you guys work that sort of scenario in terms of like insurance and safety regulations and all that sort of stuff? We uh, work, as a fact, we work with insurance companies here in Germany as well. But uh, for us, the, we have in Germany the regulation uh, in regard to safety and security is probably going to be the highest standards you can get in the world. Because in Germany, the vehicle itself won't be just uh, allowed or approved for the street. You have to make sure that it fits in sort of, for example, brake performance. You need to have certain brake performance. You need to be able to ensure that if the system if the system shuts down, 
you can still break or come to a complete stop uh, without falling down, stuff like that. And that's everything we do somehow relates to safety. Because of course, riding is the thing we sell, but uh, it's easy to develop. A vehicle that just drives is really not a challenge, but a vehicle that drives safely, that's the real, where it comes to a real challenge. And that's, uh, we develop a lot of, not products, a lot of steps only to match this uh, safety standards, which sure. we definitely need to fulfill and also want to, because yeah. we don't want to see people fall off these things. We don't want to see, for example, batteries burning. Mm -hmm. A lot of these China hoverboards, uh, the batteries started to burn and that's something we really don't want and uh, that doesn't also, I mean, somehow the word German engineering means something uh, and I'm sh uh, I'm, we're looking for, uh, forward to fulfilling this promise also. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, it's it, it, it's awesome. Well, let's let's move away from insurance talk because I don't know how how exciting that is for everybody in the world. But uh, <laughs> but let's talk about let's talk about the actual uh, Kickstarter campaign. So, you know, yeah. so you're talking, you've got about sixteen days to go while we're talking right now. So when I put this out, it'll probably be fourteen or thirteen days to go. Um, and I'm looking at U.S. dollars, but you had about a seventy-five thousand dollar goal, give or take, and you guys are currently sitting at a over one hundred eighty-one thousand. So. That's a ton of money, number one, but also you had 159 backers, which is great. 159 people that as of right now who have taken the plunge and, and pre-ordered this thing. Um, what did you do to kind of get ready for the Kickstarter? I mean, what was sort of the strategy behind the scenes? What were you planning on doing? And um, what do you think the success uh, is from on this thing right now? We have started to work on this Kickstarter campaign. I mean, really focused work was probably four months before that, four and a half months before that. And we really had our, our go-to market or go-to Kickstarter strategy. We talked to a lot of people with uh, successful campaigns, asked them about their experience, what they did, or how they achieved the, this, their uh, success. And also we looked at a lot of uh, campaigns who didn't achieve their goals uh, or failed or after the campaign was finished, didn't... Uh, didn't fulfill because we wanted to know what could go wrong mm -hmm. or also what people are expecting because we've never started a Kickstarter campaign before. We didn't know what was upon us. So that's, we really had a very definite plan and uh, we followed through. And for us, it was, we had, since we already started development two and a half years ago, we already started to build up a fan base or people who supported us, who followed our development. And uh, at the end, I mean, what we didn't do is we didn't go to a, like a big marketing ag agency who promised us, uh, I don't know, the world. And then they wanted a 30% cut of our sales because for mm. us, that didn't make sense. Right. It is a, it's a high-end product. It's very expensive. And people will not just buy it because they see a Facebook ad somewhere. Right. People really buy, they buy it because they can identify themselves with uh, our idea. And that's, that's actually the, that's the basis we founded our, our communication strategy on. We didn't pay for ads or anything. Uh, most things we did was we went to press and we told our story. And then also what we did was we went to influencers and had them test drive our, our existing prototypes. Because also it is an expensive product that people really they can't just test it. They can't just, I mean, if they want, they can always come by and tested right here, but Kickstarter is a global thing. Mm -hmm. And I think we sold vehicles to Hong Kong, Singapore, to the US already. Um, it's not like they can just come by our office and right. try vehicles. So that for us was really the challenge to, to convince people of our ability to build this vehicle without being able to talk to them in person. And I think we, I, this, we, we really mastered this. Uh, being able to tell people the story of why we will be able to build this vehicle in the future. Well, yeah, there's, there's definitely no doubt about that. Was there, was there any metrics you were looking for um, before you actually hit the launch button? Was there like, Hey, we want to have X amount of influencers or this many email addresses. Was, was there any metrics internally that you were trying to hit? <laughs> um, everybody keeps talking about these email addresses that they have on their list. And to be honest, our email list was really, really tiny. Everybody would be laughing. I think it was beneath 1,000. It was maybe 800 or, or right. 900 people on the list. 
yeah. that everybody just keeps talking about. But in the end, these people on our the conversion rate from our list was really bad. Mm-hmm. So that's also why we didn't focus on building up this list because you don't know who's going to sign up to your list or where you get the contact from. It's just somebody who may or may not have seen a picture of your vehicle and has no idea what he's signing up to. So for us, it was really important to have the direct contact to people. So for us, it was more of, I mean, if you say the influencers, we had picked out the influencers very from the very special field of urban micromobility. They didn't have millions of followers. They had maybe one or 2,000 followers following their YouTube channels. But these are exactly the people that we wanted to address. Right. And that was exactly the thing that worked out at the end because people saw the video somewhere and just hit the buy button within 30 seconds. They didn't even think about it twice. It was really crazy for us to see. Hmm. That is interesting. That's very intriguing. Um, and, and for these influencers, what were, was there something that you were offering them or, or they just wanted to be a part of it? Was there relationships that you were building prior to? How, how did you go after like, again, because, you know, there's so many influencers. How did you like even think that their audience was real? You know, that sort of stuff. I've, I, we've ran into that sometimes too. We're like, yeah, you know, we paid a hundred bucks to some influencer and their audience was all bots, you know, it's like, that sucks. Uh, you know? I would never pay a hundred bucks for an influencer. Either I pay them real money to make sure that it's a real offer or I don't pay at all. Because mm-hmm. for, and for us, we just, we thoroughly checked out these influencers. We checked the relation that they had to their, to their followers, if they interact with them, not only if they get a lot of comments, but also if they, for example, answer these mm. comments. If there's like a dialogue going on. Right. Because that for us was really important. And also, okay, somebody's just coming in, sorry. Um, uh, what was the question again? Oh, the, just about, about kind of like gauging the influencers and-, and uh, Yeah, okay, how we do that, yeah. We had, for some influencers, uh, we had, indirect contacts where we knew somebody who knew them personally so we could just present ourselves and our vehicle to them and for some we just wrote them and to be honest we paid them uh, for some we paid for the uh, but for the production cost so they told us okay production cost is going to be i don't know maybe a thousand euros uh, can we share this half and half or something like that and that's what we said of course we're going to do that we're not going to be the one just wanting everything for free sure. because that's not how it works mm-hmm. And how about in terms of like, um, in ter- like, how did you guys come up with like a goal and stuff? I mean, it feels like a product like this, your goal could have been $2 million. I mean, you know what I mean? It could have been, but how, how did you come to determine like, you know, minimum viability and like, this is the number we want to hit. Uh, this, this number is a big enough number, but not too big so that we'll hit our goal. Like, how did you guys internally kind of discuss all that stuff before you hit the launch button? We had a very open discussion about this. Because our, our opinions went far apart. One guy was over here uh, saying, okay, we need, I don't know, 20,000 so we can hit it within the first hour. And the other one was like, no, we need for production, we're gonna need 150,000 or something. But for us, it was, we thought about how many customers would we feel comfortable with as a proof of market? Mm-hmm. Because for us, that's what Kickstarter is. It's not, a, not so much a, uh, in a funding thing, it's more of a proof of market thing that people will, are willing to spend the amount right. of money. And for us, we thought if 60 people would be willing to pay a, over a thousand euros one year in advance for a product that they, they can't really even touch now, then this would be like the minimum minimum viable right. product. Right. It's, it's funny how you say it that way. It's um, the amount of conversations I have where people are looking at the Kickstarter is like all the money, right? And I'm, and I'm always just like, man, you're asking people to give you, you know, 400 bucks, 500 bucks for something that they won't get for a year that they can't touch. I mean, I think the way you just said it is, is a powerful thing because it's just like, man, man, if you sold 50, 60, 100, yeah. this is very small numbers, but like, man, that's a lot of people to give you money for something that they can't touch, feel, see, and get for a year. Yeah. You know, it, it really is. A, it, it is an eye-opening thing that people just, man, if they look at it that way, then Kickstarter is an awesome tool. If you look at like, no, I need $400,000 off my Kickstarter. Well, good luck. <laughs> How is that ever going to work? Right, right. right. And that's it. Yeah, that's it. it's like, and, they, and uh, we always get to where a lot of people we'll send us, you know, uni- we call them un- the unicorns on Kickstarter where it's like, yeah, okay, somehow they did 1.7 million 
and then you research and they've been a company for 10 years and this is like their 10th yeah. product and it's like well that's how they know yeah and you see if you talk to them and if they're honest to you they will tell you that they've spent i mean they may have collected over a million but they spent ten thousand dollars per day for marketing right right yeah right. so i'm like and then the, and then my clients are like well i have an ad budget of about five grand total yeah Okay. <laughs> oh, cool. cool. Well, we'll see what we can do here. Um, so, you know, how though, I mean, during this Kickstarter, I mean, it's very, it's a very like busy time, obviously, right? You got comments coming in, questions coming in, FAQ stuff, probably, um, you know, responding to people. How are you guys staying organized just to make sure that you're on top of stuff and, and, and being very upfront in the campaign? Uh, we have, we do, we did split up the work. So we have like a common email uh, thing. Uh, email tool where we just answer all the direct questions we have and also we make a list of, uh, of additional questions that we, we really, uh, that we really need to answer. So for us, a lot of people are asking to show different features of the vehicle, to make a video and maybe present it to them and uh, we just write that down everything and then we try to make videos to, to really fulfill the need of people for information because people are seeking information actively for us that's a really good thing it's a very it's a good sign we do see that people really think about our product uh, think about how they're going to use it in their everyday life and of course questions will come up when you think about something so for us we try to be as honest and as uh, as open as we can and uh, still try to make every wish for a video or explanation or anything come true and uh, the best thing or of course the, the thing that works best is for people to come by here personally and just check it out everything in person because of course we can answer all these questions but in the end it's the best for people to just sit here with us on a table get to know us see how we're working what it looks like and then they can just answer a lot of their questions themselves um, but we really I mean for us it's really important to have open communication because that's what we saw in a lot of failed Kickstarter campaigns or Kickstarter campaigns that didn't go out as well is that communication was just it, some at some point people just stopped communicating or just didn't take the time anymore and it's a communication tool for us because we prove our market but on the other hand we also must oblige to then answer everything that's uh, been sent into our direction sure so as we as i mentioned before you have about 16 days to go while we're talking right now and then it takes a few weeks for the money to all get into the bank accounts and whatnot um what starts to happen after money's in the bank what how do you start getting this product into people's hands we have already started i mean we have as i said a complex product we have already started to select manufacturers way back like half a year ago year ago we've already started to show our product to manufacturers tell them our expectations what we need what we don't need probably maybe and uh, once the money's in our bank um we're first we're gonna have an investment round so we're actively seeking investment and that's also why we need this proof of market because the investor said yeah great product i believe in it i believe that's the future but still i want to see that people are willing to pay for it uh, so we're going to have this investment round and with the money from Kickstarter and the investment money, we're going to build up a production at a manufacturer. So they're just going to tear down our product entirely, uh, really assure that this is mass producible. And then they're going to start to build up a production line and uh, start probably just start tooling. Very important step for us. We need a lot of tools especially made for us, um, but uh, these will all be manufactured then by our, by our partner. And uh, we expect the first vehicles from the manufacturer in July already. Nice. This will be like zero series, so pre-series. I mean, this will be mass manufactured already, but uh, we can use these then for testing, certifications. Already we can send these out for more influencers and stuff like that. But uh, this is not the vehicles that we can already ship to our backers on Kickstarter. Right, right. So, and then how about like the five-year plan? So where do you guys see you guys in five years? I mean, is this just this one product? Is it multiple products? Is it making a ton of stuff in the, uh, the portable mobility type of vibe? I mean, where do you guys see five years from now? We, we do see ourselves as an urban mobility company. 
So once this product has been successfully launched, we will start developing the next, the second vehicle. We're not yet sure if it's going to be portable again or if it's going to be for another, for another use case, but it will be for, it's going to be an urban electric vehicle. That's everything I know. That's that's cool. Because that's our goal. We know that vehicles in urban areas can be or need to be electric and they need to be smaller, but we don't know yet exactly what kind of way we're going to go. But also we see ourselves, because we're already talking with car manufacturers here in Germany and they're really interested in our product. So within five years, I think we see ourselves in the trunk of the car with a, with a docking station. Mm, that's interesting. Where you, where you can then charge your vehicle and you, can, you have it with you every time. You yeah. Just go to your car, because that's also the use case that I just described earlier. People have it in their trunks. And uh, for us, that really makes sense. So that's also something we're working on. And I think uh, within five years, this is definitely our goal to have that's it in awesome. the front of the car. That's awesome. Well, where can people find out more information even outside of the Kickstarter? How can people dive into your world and, and see what you guys are working on? Um, best thing is social media, of course, because we do a lot of updates, smaller stuff, uh, the, co the convention and summits we're attending, we post pictures, also YouTube. Is a very for us. It's very important because there we can really present. I mean, it's not high quality stuff we put on YouTube, but it's just from our from our everyday life. Mm -hmm. We just a little little bits and pieces that we just cut together from the things we see and do. Uh, so YouTube and of course on our website we have a, a news uh, update section. But uh, to be honest, social media is for us is the most important tool because also that's the dialogue. People can send us questions, can ask us, they can comment and we can comment back and send them the things they need or they want to see. That's awesome. Well, Sebastian, I appreciate you taking time out of your day to, uh, to have this conversation. This was an awesome conversation and uh, uh, really great product. So I encourage everybody out there, go check out Irmo right now over on Kickstarter. You've got about 16 days to go. Um, and again, really great product, totally uh, inventive. It's something I've never seen on this. And you guys did an unbelievable job on the Kickstarter campaign. So uh, congrats on that. Keep going, man. Keep going. Thank you very much. Thank you for your time. No problem. All right. Have a great one. Thanks. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. All right. How about that conversation? I told you it was an awesome one. Sebastian, again, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to have a conversation with me and to me and my listeners. It, it was truly awesome. And uh, I wish you guys a lot of luck on delivering this product to your backers. And uh, it looks awesome. So uh, really, really amazing design uh, and great job on your campaign. All right. So let's go ahead and listen to some Sugar People. We haven't done that in a little while. So let's go see if I can't find a song over on Spotify. Uh, I'm going to have another episode coming up probably early next week. So stay tuned for that. And make sure you reach out to us. Follow us on social media. Uh, you can type in Woodshed Agency into all the major platforms. Subscribe, follow, and share along and uh, tell your friends and family about us. And if you are thinking about launching a product, don't hesitate to send us a message and we'd love to chat with you. Okay, everybody, let's go listen to some music. Talk to you all later.
everything Like it is a lie Like a white they all can't be the same Hollywood picks a number two, baby 